Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. September means back to school and back to binoculars as we watch for the start of the fall migration. We hope you'll continue your schooling by coming for a free walk with us. Ocean State Bird Club is on Facebook and at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. That's www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 746. Well, there's little doubt as to what's the biggest bird news of the week. And not good news, unfortunately. In case you missed it, it's this. Scientists say that since 1970, the U.S. and Canada have lost 3 billion birds. One of those scientists says that, quote, nature is unraveling, end quote. Scientists analyzed nearly five decades of population data on 529 species of North American birds and found that since 1970, the continental U.S. and Canada have lost more than one in four birds, with grassland species like meadowlarks along with sparrows and wading birds like green herons taking the biggest hits. The researchers were quoted as saying that humans are driving the decline through the clearing of land as well as through things like widespread pesticide use and by allowing domestic cats to roam outdoors. Previous studies have found that cats may kill more than a billion birds a year, while nearly a billion more die in collisions with buildings. More about that collision thing in uh, just a moment. Meanwhile, we certainly can't separate the fate of birds from the effects of climate change and this past Friday, September 20th, we attended one of the more than 4,000 climate strike events around the U.S. and 138 other countries. We were at the event in Boston as part of these worldwide protests, showing that we may finally be reaching a tipping point where people understand the serious and immediate threat of climate change and how action is needed now to avoid its most calamitous effects. This is all leading to a more formal event when thousands of diplomats, policymakers, and scientists will consider the worldwide climate threat posed at the United Nations Climate Action Summit on Monday, September 23rd in New York City. Madonna showing uh, some love for New York. It's an amazing place for lots of things, including bird watching. But as you may know, New York has a few tall buildings. There are many of them with highly reflective surfaces into which birds often crash with disastrous results. That's why efforts are underway there to begin to reduce those crashes. We'll learn about those efforts and another one being put forward in New York concerning all those lights at night, which also lead to negative consequences for birds. We'll do that when we talk with today's special guest, Molly Adams from New York City Audubon on this morning's show. Here's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later on in the show. You're hearing the bird right there. 
Some clues, our mystery bird is a medium-sized shorebird with long greenish legs, a long neck and a long bill, ever so slightly drooped at the tip. It has a white rump and a gray tail. In breeding plumage, it's heavily barred on the underside with dark blotches on the back and a chestnut cheek patch. In non-breeding plumage, it's all gray on the back. In most of the lower 48 states, our bird is found probing for prey along mudflats shallow ponds and marshes. It's our mystery bird. little preview here. We have a fantastic Droll Yankees ASICS classic tube feeder as one of our prizes, plus a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game as prizes on our mystery bird contest. Coming along in just a little bit, here's our conservation exciting story of the week. Amazon the company, has just announced a really big delivery van purchase. Zero-pollution electric vans, that is. Not from Tesla, which isn't making vans yet, but from a Michigan-based company called Rivian. Hold on to your seat bolsters, because Amazon, which is an investor in Rivian, says that they plan to buy not a hundred, or a thousand, or even ten thousand vans, no, Amazon says they're going to buy 100,000 electric vans by 2024, the first prototypes hitting the streets as early as next year. Amazon chief Jeff Bezos says Amazon has committed to meeting the goals of the United Nations Paris Climate Agreement 10 years early. And he says that his goal is for 80% of Amazon's energy use to be renewable by 2024, before transitioning to 100% renewable energy by 2030. So even if you hate Amazon, now there's a reason to love them too. And here's another interesting headline relating to electric vehicles. It's about Daimler, the company that makes Mercedes-Benz and other car brands. The headline says, Daimler ends gas engine development. Full focus on electric cars. Wow. And we say wow, too, for our wonderful Talking Birds ambassadors, Talking Birds listeners who have become ambassadors in helping us to spread the word about birds and conservation. And thank you so much to Heather Sigler from Milford, Ohio. Thank you so much, Heather. And thank you to Kay down in Auburn, Alabama. Thank you, Kay, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family by allowing us to send you some of our info cards for you to hand out at your convenience to friends and neighbors and fellow birders. To join up, just visit our gorgeous new website, still at TalkinBirds.com. Click on the Get Involved button at the top of the page and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Our current goal, incidentally, as announced on last week's show, is to reach a total of 400 ambassadors signing on by the end of September. We need 10 more ambassadors by the end of September. How about it, Talking Birds listeners? Will you step up and help us spread the word about birds and conservation by joining our ambassadors program and helping us reach that 400 ambassadors goal? We hope so. Still to come on our show today, we'll hear about those efforts to help birds in the Big Apple with New York City Audubon's Molly Adams. And we'll learn about uh, what to do about bird seed and stuff as the summer ends and buying bird seed. Mike will tell us some good tips about that. That would be Mike O'Connor from the Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod.
And up next, a bird that reveals its identity as summer turns to fall is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. In the year 1772, Captain James Cook, commissioned by the Royal Society to search for the mythical Terra Australis, began his second great voyage to the Pacific. On board his ship, the HMS Resolution, was the German naturalist Johann Reinhold Forster. Captain Cook became a legend for his adventures and discoveries. Johann Forster's name lives on through the bird named for him, the Forster's Turn. In breeding plumage, this bird is almost indistinguishable by most observers from the common tern. But in the fall, it shows a distinctive black eye patch, sometimes described as an ear patch, on its otherwise all-white head. Another thing that distinguishes the Forster's Turn from other terns is the way that it often snatches flying insects in midair, though it also makes the typical tern headfirst dive in pursuit of fish. The Forster's turn breeds in scattered locations around the U.S. and winters in the southern states and south to Cuba and Mexico, but also unlike other terns, not as far down as South America. Here are the common calls and the buzzing, repeated churring notes heard around the nest of the Forster's turn. Sterna Forstery, the Forster's Turn. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Yeah, a great bird to see by, by judging by uh, Tim's expression, not a great one to uh, not listen to. That's a pleasant to, sound there, no, no, <laughs> that's okay. Thanks again for being with us here. It's our show number 746. Hope you'll visit our sparkling new website at the same old address. That's TalkingBirds.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Talkin' Birds. Molly Adams is the Advocacy and Outreach Manager for New York City Audubon, and she is part of the efforts there to help stop birds, among other things, from crashing into buildings. And she joins us on the phone from New York right now. Good morning, Molly. Good morning. Happy to be on the phone with you. Well, we're happy to have you with us and also <laughs> happy to know about the work that that you're doing there in the city. And, and, and Molly, this uh, effort to prevent bird collisions does have a national component. I know this, I believe, started in 2015 with Congressman Mike Quigley from Illinois introducing the Federal Bird Safe Buildings Act. I guess that hasn't really gone anywhere, but it's being reintroduced this year, the Bird Safe Buildings Act of 2019, with a lot of co-sponsors on both sides of the aisle we're told. Are we hopeful about this going somewhere at this point? Um, well, it, it's a great bill. We're really happy to see that it has been introduced, but unfortunately it, it hasn't passed in the House or Senate yet. Um, mm -hmm. But it is something that your listeners can support at home by going to a website 3billionbirds.org so the number 3 and when you go to the section um, ways that you can help birds under number one preventing them from 
hitting into buildings, you can actually click on a link and go to the American Bird Conservancy's website and, and fill out a form that will alert your, your U.S. senators and representative, and um, you can let them know that you'd, you'd like them to support this bill and that you support this bill that's being passed. So hopefully we'll have have better luck at the Congress level soon. Mm-hmm. All right. That uh, address again mm-hmm. is 3billionbirds.org with the number three. So, uh, Molly, on the on the state level, Governor Andrew Cuomo there in New York is, what I, uh, I believe, about to sign into law a bill that would establish a commission to study and educate the public about the problem of bird building collisions. What's the status of that? Yeah, so there was a, a bill, the Bird Friendly Buildings Council Act, um, that actually passed in the New York Assembly and Senate over the summer. And so we are patiently waiting for the governor to sign this bill, um, which would, like you said, create a council um, at the state level where different stakeholders um, are are responsible for creating a, a set of guidelines that would allow people to then make their own informed decision on whether or not they wanted to use bird-friendly design in their buildings, but it wouldn't, uh, in fact, mandate that any of that technology is required. Um, but it's definitely a step in the right direction, and and another thing New Yorkers can do is, is write to or contact the governor's office and make sure that they they do indeed sign this bill. All right, that's the the uh, the bill again. The title of it is in the uh, state of New York. I believe the Bird Friendly Buildings Council Act. Okay, Bird Friendly Bill. Contact Governor Cuomo's office if you're in, if you're in New York and in support of that idea. Meanwhile, in the city of uh, New York, Molly, you have something there uh, to establish bird collision deterrent safety measures. I'm reading that City Council Member Rafael Espinal Jr. and Council Speaker Corey Johnson introduced legislation this past spring that would require at least 90% of exterior glass on new and altered buildings to be bird safe. And that bill, I believe, Molly had a public hearing just on September 10th. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, we're, we're really excited about the momentum behind this local bill. Um, it actually has, I think, 14 co-sponsors at this point. So mm-hmm. since it's been introduced in March by the two people that you named, a bunch of other city council members have joined on and recognized how important this bill is. Um, so New York City Audubon has been working closely with um, the Bird Safe Buildings Alliance members to meet with developers and meet with city council members to make sure that they're educated about this issue. And we've, we've also supported an amendment to this bill that would not just require it, um, it wouldn't require bird-friendly design on 90% of the entire facade because mm-hmm. uh, we recognize that most of the collisions do happen 75 feet and below. So we've made it a little bit more approachable for developers and they wouldn't have to use bird-friendly glass um, where it wasn't needed to make sure that this is the most cost-effective and bird-safe option available. Okay, another problem for birds in New York City is uh, this is, um, you know, a a difficult one. Um, Every September 11th, beams of light rise more than four miles into the night sky from the National 9-11 Memorial and Museum 
in Lower Manhattan okay. to honor those lost in those devastating terrorist attacks. And we certainly want to have those tributes. But uh, this has caused a lot of problems for birds. But I think New York City Audubon has uh, done some things to kind of mitigate the problem, right? Yes, this is, it's, it's one of the most important partnerships um, that we have at New York City Audubon is with the 9-11 Memorial folks. Um, so that rather than the, the, the tribute going on consistently, um, which has been a problem in the past because birds who are migrating through New York City will sometimes, or will, will get attracted to this light and sometimes get stuck and disoriented within the beams because they are so powerful. Um, and so through our partnership, we've been able to reduce the amount of nights that the lights are in fact on to just one night. And we have volunteers who will um, spend uh, from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. taking shifts, counting the birds in the lights to make sure that there's no, never more than a thousand birds in the lights. And also if the birds are getting trapped and spiraling downwards to, towards the lights, um, we'll make sure that the lights get shut off for about um, 20 to 30 minutes to allow the birds to disperse and, and go on their way. And they do disperse quite rapidly, do they not, once those lights are shut off? Yeah, they just, they, they snap out of it, hopefully, and we'll, we'll keep moving forward. Um, so it's, it's definitely made this, this tribute, this important tribute, much safer for birds. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a wonderful compromise that's uh, been developed there. Well, Molly, I want to talk about one other thing with you while we have just a little bit of time left, and it's completely a uh, different topic here. Mm -hmm. um, but you are the founder of the Feminist Bird Club. Tell us a little yeah. about what that is. We're going to be talking with uh, a Boston chapter leader about that in a show upcoming, but just tell us quickly what the Feminist Bird Club is, why it was founded, and, and where the chapters are. Sure. So I, I founded the club... Um, back in October of 2016, and and we aim to be a inclusive birdwatching club for members of the LGBTQ plus community, uh, women and people of color, and, and we um, have grown significantly since then. Um, I, I didn't think that this would really move beyond New York City, where I'm located, but, but we now have um, eight Chapters across the U.S. and one in Toronto and one in the Netherlands. So, um, besides doing monthly bird walks in each of those locations, uh, we also fundraise for social and environmental justice. and And since the founding, we've raised over fifteen thousand dollars collectively by selling different patches each year that have different birds and are illustrated by different people. Um, and it's it's been a lot of fun. And I'm I'm looking forward to your show with with Carla Noboa, who's the the, the Boston chapter coordinator, and um, she's actually on our our board. So it'll be a great conversation for sure. Indeed, uh, happy to say that we do have a chapter here in our hometown <laughs> of Boston. Well, thank you so much, Molly. Molly Adams is the advocacy and outreach manager for New York City Audubon. Thanks for being with us, Molly, and keep up the great work. All right. Thank you. You too. Coming up next, our mystery bird contest in just one minute. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year, illegally. Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio, where animals roamed freely in the open forests. 
I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats, and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. Well, if you're a new listener of Talking Birds, welcome. Glad to have you uh, tuning in and want you to know that every week on our show, we do something called the Mystery Bird Contest. And uh, we're about to uh, do it again here. The way it works is we play the sound of a bird. We give some clues as to the identity of that bird. And uh, then we invite you to call us and tell us what you think the bird is. Uh, an exclusive component of our mystery bird contest is that you don't necessarily have to get the right answer. If nobody does get the right answer, a drawing will determine our winner. We usually get a right answer, isn't that right, Tim? But not yeah, uh, usually not, not every yeah, time. No, so we we add that little uh, extra thing there. Specific, yes, being exactly. specific helps. Being yeah. specific <laughs> is is very important. I'm told. So our mystery bird sounds like this. We had a chance to get some really good looks at this bird. By the way, just recently, right in the marshes close by our Talking Birds World Headquarters in North Quincy, Massachusetts, and we were able to study how it differs in appearance from the pretty similar short-billed dowagers. We also saw poking around there uh, in the mud flats. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized shorebird with long greenish legs, a long neck, and a long bill ever so slightly drooped at the tip at least in many cases. It has a white rump and a gray tail. In breeding plumage, it's heavily barred on the underside with dark blotches on the back in a chestnut cheek patch. In non-breeding plumage, which is pretty much the way we saw it there at the marsh just recently, it's all gray on the back. In most of the lower 48 states, our bird is found probing for prey along mudflats, shallow ponds, and Marshes. What might our mystery bird be? Tell us and win that beautiful Droll Yankees original, iconic A6F classic tube feeder featuring durable metal parts that squirrels can't chew. In fact, it's backed by a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. Bonus prize is a download to your iOS device. That's if you have an iPhone or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that lakes, uh, makes birding a uh, uh, not birding learning, but le learning birding sounds. Learning, help me out here, Tim, makes learning bird sounds a, a game. game. Thank you very much, You're welcome. Tim. That was the specific they were looking for there. So Specificity. Specificity yes. is the uh, <laughs> word of the day here on, on Talking Birds. 781-837-4900 is the number. Uh, and we'll get specific with Mike O'Connor on uh, Let's Ask Mike Live. That will be uh, coming along in just one minute. for the birds.
birds around here, and we'd like to say thanks to another Talking Birds listener who's helping to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. My name is Roger Page, and I'm from Lexington, Kentucky. I became a Talking Birds ambassador shortly after I began listening. I began telling people it seemed to me that it was exactly the right kind of show that a lot of people that I knew would enjoy listening to Talking Birds listeners, please consider joining our Ambassadors family. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. To do it, just go to TalkingBirds.com, click on Get Involved at the top of the page, and choose the Become an Ambassador option. And thanks. As we do every week, we connect with Mike O'Connor down at the famous Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, beautiful Cape Cod Massachusetts. Good morning, Mike. Well, good morning to you, Ray. Good morning to you. And we're talking bird seed this morning, which is my favorite subject. Yeah, i just looking at the notes here about what you're going to say. Now, the, the, somebody can read this correctly. You should buy really, really big amounts of uh, bird seed and, and put it in the closet. Is that? <laughs> you would think that's what I'd want you to do. Yeah. But um, I, I kind of caution people this time of year with the, the seasons extending and things getting warmer. We run into a problem with uh, meal moths. A lot of people call them pantry moths. These little harmless but annoying uh, moths that kind of start off as little lava, little worms that'll get into our crackers and our foods. Well, they, they're available in all kinds of grains, and bird seed is just one of those things. And oftentimes they're actually in the grains when we buy it. We don't know it because it's just kind of in, in the, you know, egg stage. And so if we keep them around too long, the eggs will hatch and then they'll start to spread. So while it's warm, I advise people to buy smaller amounts of seed. And, and I know it's fall and a lot of places have big bird seed sales. Now part of the reason I do that is because this is the end of the year with the bird seeds. Bird seed is harvested in the fall. So what the farmers or the growers are trying to do is get rid of old seed so they can have room for the new seed. So when you buy a lot of seed this time of year, you're getting seed that's kind of a year old. There's mm. nothing wrong with it. It's the birds will like it fine. Mm. But, you know, you run more of a chance of running into these meal moths with old, older seeds. So I advise people to buy a little bit smaller amounts, What you're going to use in a couple of weeks. You, know, you, don't, you, know, you just don't buy a cup, but buy 25 pounds. If you're going to use it in two or three weeks, that's fine. But don't buy it in store for a long time because you bought it on sale. Especially don't keep it in the house. Um, if you have a shed or a garage, that's better. Um, and then when it gets cold, that problem solved because all these bugs go dormant. But this time of year, just buy you know smaller amounts, and then you won't be yelling at me saying I sold you some buggy bird seed because I gave you the heads up ahead of time. Yeah, and those meal moths. Though they are good for some things, aren't they? Those meal moths. Yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 I put them out when I catch one. I put them out in the. Um, Carolina Wrens love them. Oh, see, I thought I made that up, but it turns out it's actually true. All right. Thank you, Mike. I'm back, Jeff. Okay, talk to you later. Right. Bye-bye. Mike O'Connor there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. Meanwhile, back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. That would be the sound of our mystery bird, but before we get back into the contest proper, we have this important message. The September-October issue of Birdwatching Magazine is now available at Barnes & Noble and other newsstands. It features a story about the uncertain future of the whooping crane, tips for photographing birds that fly fast, and a guide to fall and winter birding festivals. Plus, Ken Kaufman describes how to identify wandering tattler, 
David Sibley provides a closer look at crows and much more. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. We, we don't have much time here for our mystery bird contest, but let's see how we do. Judy is in Brookline, Massachusetts. Good morning, uh, Judy. Hello, Judy. She doesn't have Hi. time either. Oh, there she is. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think, uh, Judy, on our mystery bird contest there? Uh, I'm going with a wimbrel. She's going with a, rim, a wimbrel, a Tim. Timbrel. Oh. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can blame that on Tim. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. All Bye. right. We have time for Carl somewhere in Texas. Good morning, yeah, Carl. Yeah, Port Aransas. Port <laughs> wow, whereabouts is that? Port Aransas. That is just north of Corpus Christi. All right. Well, what about our mystery bird, uh, Carl? What do you say? We think it's a uh, stilt sandpiper. Stilt sandpiper, and Tim thinks it is, and I yes, think, yeah, correct. Think it is. Stilt Wonderful. sandpiper, exactly correct. Nice job, Carl. Stay on the Thank line, you. and we'll get all your info and send you those terrific prizes. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Carl, down in Port Aransas, Texas. The uh, stilt sandpiper. Okay, that's our show for today. We are out of time. Next week, we'll welcome two of the creators of the remarkable new Cornell Lab of Ornithology documentary called Bird of Prey, all about the spectacular and endangered Philippine eagle. That's our show. See you next week. <laughs> Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. September means back to school and back to binoculars as we watch for the start of the fall migration. We hope you'll continue your schooling by coming for a free walk with us. Ocean State Bird Club is on Facebook and at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. That's www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. Ocean State Bird Club.